Welcome to Courier Tools. This week, event-based peer feedback, part two. The questions this cast answers are, what do I do if a peer asks for feedback? How do I give a peer multiple pieces of feedback at a time? And why should I learn to be a good evaluator? Does the thought of hiring bring you out in a cold sweat? Do bad hires from your past spring to mind? Regret and dread are two common reactions when we ask managers about hiring, and it doesn't need to be. Mark is signing copies of his new book, The Effective Hiring Manager, which will walk you through the whole process in true manager tools, step-by-step fashion. Don't hire without it. Go to the website and type hashtag hiring in the search box. We described event-based feedback, which is lots of feedback about one event. We talked about peer feedback with peer feedback model, which is just the two middle parts, describe the impact and describe the behavior. And if you didn't listen to that, go back because otherwise this piece won't make sense. <laughs> it won't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we're on to describing the impact. Mm-hmm. So the impact, the piece that comes after behavior. So the impact, once we've agreed on what we're all looking at or hearing, again, behaviors, the words you say, how you say them, facial expression, body language, work products, things you saw, heard, or can touch. Now that we can agree on that piece, we can add what we see as the impact. The value of an evaluation is really in this part, because this is where we actually do disagree. We all see behaviors slightly differently. So what we're trying to do is bring our side or how we see things to their perspective. In the previous example, we said um, in a presentation that 10 or in a presentation in a meeting um, that if there's 10 people in the room seeing the same set of behavior, there could potentially be 10 different conclusions happening in that room. In the same way, 10 people looking at a web page, reading an email, um, hearing a presentation can all see the same thing, the same behaviors, but draw completely different conclusions. And that is what the creator wants to hear. Another person's view. Yeah. And and going back to, we talked about a presentation that was in Comic Sans and had pink and the the creator thinks they've made good choices, right? Absolutely. You don't create work that you don't think is any good. They wouldn't have picked them if they didn't. I, yeah, mm-hmm. that's just life. <laughs> um, so evaluation, evaluating the presentation, we might say, uh, we they might say, oh, I chose pink because it's a happy color. Okay. Our response might be, when you use pink, I don't think of it as professional. If the presenter wants something to look unprofessional or happy, if they're an elementary school teacher, then they achieved their objective, right? But if they're not, then they didn't achieve their objective, which was to look professional. And that's what you're telling them. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll notice um, when we're talking here, we're be careful or we're being careful uh, to talk about the presentation, not about the presenter nor are we invading or invalidating their choices. They have an opinion and it's absolutely valid. They chose those things for a reason. And now you have another opinion. Now, if you're the boss, your opinion definitely has more weight. Um, That is, you could actually make them change the presentation. 
But when we're evaluating the work of our peers, what we're doing is we're just sharing our conclusions. This is how I see the world. It's different than how you see the world. Um, And in this exact example of a presentation, being that I'm an audience member, I'm in a good position to evaluate that for Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. It's like when you go to the store and you see um, products in a certain kind of packaging. They went through a whole process where someone said, I really like green for this thing. And then they sent it out to a focus group and everyone says, you know, I wouldn't buy this because it's green. I think it should be yellow. And they change it to yellow whether or not they like the green. It's because of the impact of what the behavior has that you change the behavior. So going back to our examples, we said we had some examples uh, last time which in which we just did the behavior piece, and now we're just going to do the behavior and the impact piece, and then we'll do the next part. So, for example, you made eye contact with everyone in the audience, which gives me the impression you're communicating with confidence and belief in your point of view. Your hands were shaking when you presented, which makes me think you're nervous. The headings which organize the information are very effective in helping me understand the bigger picture. Your font is not a consistent size, which makes reading more difficult for me. The customer said he called exactly on time, which makes me think you're organized and customer focused. Your calendar has more personal items than work ones, which leads me to think you're not committed to this job. You told me exactly what I needed to know in order to help you, which makes me all willing to help in the future. There is an error in cell C45, which makes me think there's other errors I can't see. So it's the behavior, like your hands are shaking, or you called exactly on time, or um, you told me exactly what I needed to know, plus the impact what I think, what I believe, what I see, what I do because of that behavior that you made. So again, it's important to be specific. It's important to be non-judgmental. That has a very counselory psychology bent, and I don't mean it that way. That's too complicated for most of us in real life. (laughs) Um, But we're not saying that's stupid, that's ugly, that's... um, I love that. Uh, people say that when you, you give them a, um, an image or a design, they say, I love it. Okay, that's totally not helpful. Because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pink. I love it. Uh, okay, why? Like, it, you know, that one word thing isn't helpful. It's not specific enough. And it's also not, you know, it's not an impact. Yes, you love it, but what are you going to do because of it? Or what do you, what do you think because of it? Right. Or what could I do as the recipient? What am I supposed to do about that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you love it. Great. What now? <laughs> Great. I'm glad. <laughs> That's all I can do with that. I cannot replicate that now. No. I know that you loved it this one time, but there's no there's no useful outcome for myself as the recipient. And really, that's what this is about, that useful outcome. Now, recommendations or making recommendations is not part of the peer feedback model. However, it's not helpful to tell someone that something's wrong or ineffective or unhelpful or unuseful without then helping them to somehow do something different. Um, So going back to the pink presentation example that we're using, um, if we were merely to say, um, to me, it makes the presentation look unprofessional, our colleague could change it then to, mint green, 
um, or too bright red or too rainbow colored, um, all of which are also probably not overly uh, appropriate for the corporate presentation. Not suggesting a better way um, is a bit short-sighted in that there are many other options that would also be unsuccessful that they could then attempt to cycle through. Mm-hmm. And if they're asking for your advice, then they're asking for a recommendation, even though this isn't part of feedback. And it's not part of feedback. If you're a manager, it's not part of the feedback model, although you can later have this conversation in a one-on-one, for example. You know, if your direct comes to you and says, hey, you gave me feedback about this, but I don't know what to do differently. Can we talk about it? Then you can have a conversation about it. In this instance, you can almost certainly know that you want that the person wants a recommendation because otherwise they wouldn't be asking you for your thoughts. And caring about their success means giving them a recommendation. If you just say, yeah, that's fine, or um, yeah, I don't like it, and you don't help them, be better? Like, what kind of a person are you? That's not team player. That's not the kind of person that people want on their teams. So you might say, I'd change it to white and I would make your text black and aerial. I know it's boring, but that's the standard around here. And boring means that the audience isn't thinking about the slides. They're listening to your message. So I think, you know, I love pink, but I just don't think it's going to work in your favor this time. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important um, beginning it with, um, as you just said, Wendy, I would um, or I find. It's very similar to uh, the feel-felt-found model. Uh, If you're not familiar with it, listen to the podcast, feel-felt-found. Makes your suggestion more palatable to your colleague, right? I would or I find or I found this helpful in the past – makes it sound like your suggestions um, are are things to consider rather than directives. And I'm not telling you to change it, um, but if it were me, this is probably what I do. Now, that said, you might strongly recommend a change to a peer or colleague. That's definitely something that could happen. Um, But remember, relationship power is stronger. So leveraging it in a more more soft fashion uh, as a suggestion in the long term will definitely get you farther. And it depends on the relationship piece is really, really important here because, you know, people aren't going to ask you for your opinion if you don't have a good relationship with them. They're not going to hear your opinion if you don't have a good relationship with them. And if you give them a whole bunch of negative feedback and you don't have a good relationship, Uh, it's not going to get any better. And even if you do have a great relationship, giving them a whole bunch of negative feedback isn't going to help them. So you really have to pay attention to the relationship uh, sort of in the back of your mind while you're doing this. And it depends on the relationship. You know, if you've been in a job for five years and the person who's coming to you has been there for three weeks and you want to strongly recommend a change, you have more kind of authority there. Like, you know, in the last three years, I found that this works better, right? On the other hand, if your experience is similar, then they're coming at it from one view and you're coming at it from one view, but they're kind of equal. And so in those circumstances, you want to be careful of that relationship, of invalidating their experience or of, of just not coming at it as an equal, as a peer, but trying to be um, more authoritative. 
that that will damage that relationship. So I think everything you ever say, you know, has an effect on relationships yeah. with people. And, and you just need to be careful to always be building and not destroying. Yeah, exactly. And also what will help with this uh, is using and not but. And again, there's a cast for that. Exactly. And again, there's a cast for that. Go figure. Um, so what I mean by that is there's a big difference between saying um, your use of a pink background and comic sans may seem happy to you, but to me, it's unprofessional. And your use of a pink background and comic sans may seem happy to you. And to me, it's unprofessional. Yeah, It's, a, it's an equality thing, right? If you say, but it sounds like you're about to tell them off. You're about to go school teacher or, you know, on them and tell them this is wrong. Whereas if you say and, it's like, okay, I understand why you think this and, and it's a valid opinion. And here's my other opinion that's equally valid. It's it's funny that that small difference in the word choice makes a real difference to how that feels when you get the feedback. Oh, completely. I think the the use of the word but feels like you're negating their opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, you're wrong. <laughs> My way's better. Whereas if you say, and, it's, I'm just trying to show you a different set of eyes, how we saw that. It's just, it's less confrontational using and um, than using but. So we recommend getting that into your vocabulary now. And that's a practice thing as well, especially if you're a high D in the DISC model. Uh, you like but because you're right and people are wrong. Uh, it's you really have to get into the habit of and you have to hear yourself, stop yourself, and say something different. And you can absolutely do it. Uh, as somebody somebody once told me, if you can learn a bad habit, you can learn a good one. And so if you do what I do, like um, like I just said it, like use like I use so a lot. Um, if you, you know, those are bad habits, which I learned very easily. I can equally learn to say and and not but. Yeah, exactly. It's not very often that you can see a manager tools conference by day and then fill your evenings with a pumpkin festival complete with massive carved pumpkins and glow-in-the-dark adventures. However, October 1st and 2nd, we'll be back in the Atlanta area. Our hotel is near Stone Mountain, and we'll be there with our effective manager and effective communicator conferences. All of that while Stone Mountain Park's annual pumpkin festival is in full swing. So come on out and see us and the pumpkins by registering at manager-tools.com forward slash training. So going back then to, to the examples that we've been using, um, tying them all together, um, this is how recommendations um, would be, I'm going to say, added on to that behavior impact statement. So uh, you made eye contact with everybody in the audience, which gives me the impression you're communicating with confidence and belief in your point of view. You should keep doing that. Or your hands were shaking when you presented, which makes me think that you're a bit nervous. One trick that I use uh, is three by five cards. Instead of letter pieces of paper for my notes, it just makes less noise when your hands are shaking. And because the papers are smaller, it's less noticeable to the audience. Uh, or the headings, which organize the information, are really effective in helping me understand the bigger picture. Uh, you're good at including metadata in your text. It's wonderful. 
or your font is not a consistent size, which makes reading it more difficult for me. I find uh, that 12-point Calibri is really the easiest for most people to read. Or the customer said he called exactly on time, which makes me think you're organized and customer focused. Try not to lose that as we get busier. Your calendar has more personal items than work items, which leads me to think you're not committed to this job. If I were you, I'd just consider that when making your appointments. You told me exactly what I needed to know in order to help you, which makes me more willing to help in the future. I find that I get better results when I'm asking other people if I do that too. And there's an error in cell 45, which makes me think that there are errors elsewhere that I can't see. If I were you, I'd ask Philip to check your work. He's really good at spotting errors on spreadsheets. So there was a mixture of positive and negative there. And uh, if you were doing event-based feedback, you could just string them all together, which we'll talk about in a second. But each one has a very specific behavior, a specific impact, and then a recommendation. And none of the recommendations were you should do that, you have to do this, or you know, don't do that. They were either positive reinforcing of the behavior saying you should carry on doing that or I'd like to see you carry on doing that or you are good at that or they were they were hints like uh, don't use letter paper if you have a tendency to have your handshake during presentations use three by five cards it's a good trick uh, and some you know experience gives you those tricks I learned that trick doing Toastmasters because I saw pe- I saw the difference with, between people who had three by five cards and people who had litter paper. It's a, and it's an absolute hack, you know, trick kind of thing. But experience gives you those things. So if you've got those things, then you absolutely should share them with people who need them. Um, and then the last thing is, you know, if I were you, I'd consider. Or if I were you, I would do this differently. And then they're very gentle recommendations for a reason because your peers and because the relationship doesn't allow you to be bossy to be instructional to be directive we always keep the relationship in mind one of the things my dad always says is um engage brain before opening mouth because i have a tendency not to yeah me too and this is and this is one of the places where you absolutely want to do that. Make sure that you've thought through what you're about to say before you say it. And one of the other things I've learned in Toastmasters is if you pause while you're thinking about something, it feels like years that you've paused and the audience don't even notice or they think you've done it on purpose. And exactly, for so, impact. So don't worry about it if it takes you a second to engage your brain and think through what you're going to say before you say it, the person who you're doing it the person in the conversation with you won't even notice. They won't even notice. Absolutely. So we worked hard in the previous steps um, to give feedback in, again, a really relationship-focused way, a way that's palatable to the recipient um, that we're able to deliver and one that our, our recipient is able to take away and use as helpful information in their future behaviors. However, um, speaking specifically event-based, when we're stringing feedback together, there is one more issue uh, that we could potentially trip over, and it's the ordering of the feedback itself. Now, if you know anything about us, you'll know we do not condone the use of the sandwich technique. 
because we all know what that sandwich tastes like. Guys, this is not an opportunity for the use of the sandwich technique. We'd actually go as far as saying there's no good opportunities um, to give a feedback sandwich. Now, if you don't know what a feedback sandwich is, um, it's when you've got a piece of negative feedback or a negative comment um, sandwiched between two pieces of positive. I think the theory behind the the guidance that's out there uh, on delivering feedback like this is that the recipient uh, is going to find it easier to to hear the negative if they also hear um, at least an equal, if not larger, percentage of positive. Now, um, you should know it's not true in that most people, when they hear the, the feedback sandwich, they can see right through it. They see it coming a mile away. Um, and they're going to resent the fact that they feel as though they're being manipulated. It's like, you're too stupid to work this out. Right. Exactly. So, uh, let's give an example. So if I was giving an example, if I was talking to Sarah and say, uh, Sarah, I really enjoy recording with you because you always read the podcast notes before we start recording. I think that you talk too much and too fast and it's hard for the audience. But I really love recording with you. It's my You're my favorite person to record with. Like, which bit did you hear? You only heard the middle bit that was the negative. The other bit seems like fluff or, you know, it's just lip service. You're just blowing a bit of smoke. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Blowing a little smoke to disguise what I actually want to tell you. And how unhelpful is that? You know, how unkind is that to see something that somebody could do differently, could do better, see, see someone about to fall in a hole. And instead of saying, hey, you're about to fall in a hole, saying, hey, you're walking great. You might fall in a hole. I, I love your pants and see them fall in a hole. That's just not fair. It's unkind. Um, and it's certainly damaging to your relationships. Right. And also, you got to know as the deliverer, I know that delivers of the sandwich technique, they want to keep giving it. How do I know that in our public conferences every single week? We talk about individuals who feel that the sandwich technique has much multiple values. But you should know, I know as the recipient, um, or as the deliverer, my apologies, that you you know in your brain that those two positives are at least as equal weight as the negative. You're legitimately delivering it from a good place in your heart. Because there are two positives and one negative, and they do more positive than negative. That's what you're trying to say. But communication, guys, is what the listener does. And if all the listener's hearing is the negative, what you've actually done is completely negated the positives for them. Now they think those positives aren't even really real. Exactly. They think those positives are just made up fabrications. And that is not doing justice to how well they're doing. So... Let them know those pieces of information, just not in a way that causes them to invalidate the positives. So in that case, you need to know how to order your feedback. So don't order it like a sandwich. Uh, instead, order it in a way that makes sense. So for example, you might cover all the comments about content and then style, or you might talk about usability and then technical, or you might talk about topic and then audience reaction. You might talk about length 
and then talk about content. Um, if you're doing coding reviews, you know, you might talk about each chunk in order rather than, uh, I can't remember what chunks of code are called, um, but each chunk in order, or you might talk about similar things in each one. Um, so it's about ordering it in a way that's that makes sense rather than positive, negative, positive, negative. It's not a dinner party. You don't have to have boy, girl, boy, girl. Um, and if you, if you do have a lot of negative feedback, then you might want to say a bigger a bigger picture positive at the end like oh I think you're going in the right direction or you know I think you're 80% of the way there and now we're just looking at the niggles because often if you have a lot of negative feedback it's because you're getting down to like the details of something and they got you know if you're talking about a presentation right They've got the the meat of the thing on the 20 slides, and now you're talking about where the page number is. And whilst it's important that they change it if it's in the wrong place or too big, too small, whatever, um, it, it's also a kind of minor thing. So, so, But if you have a list of those minor things, it can feel like one big thing. Oh, like you've just criticized every single page. Well, yeah, I have, but but that doesn't mean that the the, the whole isn't good. Mm-hmm. And something about also on top of that, um, giving lots of negative feedback, um, again, is relationship specific. I say that because you don't want to give lots of negative feedback to a person with whom you do not have a good relationship. And careers are built on two things, results and relationship. And when you're being asked to give feedback uh, or comment on someone's work, help them figure something out, work through a problem. Um, you need to outweigh what you want to say against relationship strength, right? Even if your relationship is great, like an outstanding relationship, if you give 10 pieces of negative feedback and no pieces of positive feedback, there's going to be a bit of a withdrawal in the relationship the relationship is going to be damaged. Now, that's not to say that you wouldn't give negative feedback um, if it's warranted. Um, it's as bad for your relationship, in my opinion, to, to not give negative feedback to an individual that is asking for it um, where it's due um, and allow your colleague to present poor work um, to your boss or to customers, what have you, as it is to give multiple 10 pieces of negative feedback. You don't want to give them a whole bunch of negative feedback and you don't want to to let them fall in a hole, which makes it sound like you're between a rock and a hard place. Exactly. So the answer to that... Like, What's the like, option? Yeah, I can't give them so negative feedback, but I can't let them fail. Okay. So, so the answer is one, look for positives. Look really hard. So our instinct as people, most people. Uh, maybe it's me that's a high D, maybe uh, it's a disc thing, maybe it's just the way you're brought up, maybe it's, I don't know what it is. But most people look for negatives. We look yeah, for you're the a human, things Wendy. that are wrong. Congratulations. <laughs> right, yeah. Because as cavemen, when we saw something that was wrong, it saved our life, like not eating the wrong berries, uh, not going where the lion's sleeping, so on, right? So we look for things that are wrong. So you have to tell yourself, find a positive find some positives. There are always some, so look for them hard. 
always redeeming qualities. And then you can also roll up negative feedback. So one comment covers more negative aspects. So for instance, if somebody's done a presentation and the formatting is awful, like unreadable throughout, you could you could tell them, I don't like the font you chose, or the, the font you chose isn't helpful. The size of the writing isn't helpful. The color isn't helpful. Um, the, the sentences are too long. The, the paragraphs are too close together. Whatever, right? You could delineate each list. one, right? Mm-hmm. Or you could say, I think that the way you formatted this document, it's not as helpful. It's not as readable as you might want it to be during the presentation. Or I find it difficult to read. Here's one that our boss presented last week. Why don't you take a look at that and see what his standard is or his style is? Then it's only one negative comment. There's still a recommendation and they can work out for themselves. Like if they look at your bosses or someone else's who you know does a good presentation, they can look at it and they'll work out for themselves that, oh, my font's wrong. It's all wrong size. My sentences are too long, right? And, And you can say to them, take a look at this. I am happy to look at it again when you've worked on it some more. And then if there's still things that are, you know, smaller niggles, then hopefully you don't have so many of them that you can't tell them the specifics. And then the last thing is make it clear that you don't think your colleague should proceed at this point. In other words, I wouldn't show it to the boss yet, or I don't think it's ready for our staff meeting, or if it were me, I would do some more work on it before you did X, right? Don't let them proceed. At least tell them that you wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do that yet. You know? Because, again, it's not fair to let people fall in holes when you know there's a hole there. Exactly. If they asked you, they trust you enough to hear it from you. Otherwise, they'd not have asked. So they're relying on you to save them, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what team player is. So so here's a, a better description of of what you might do if there was a presentation that like I just described. So the data you picked to demonstrate your points is really persuasive. To me, if it were me, you know, I would have chosen the same stuff. It's the right stuff. In general, the images and the fonts you've chosen are small, which makes it difficult for me to read the data. I think you should go at least fifty percent bigger. And if it were me, I wouldn't show it to the boss yet. He gets kind of wound around the axle when little things like that aren't good and he doesn't see the bigger picture. You know, if you show it to him now, he won't look at the data or just look at your font. So I'd fix that before I show him if I were you. Yeah. And you might even in my mind at that point say um, something like, if you want me to take a look at it after you've made some changes, happy to review it again. Absolutely. Right. Make that offer for for more assistance. Um, so that they don't feel like you made a bunch of feedback comments um, and then left them hang out to dry, make changes, and then go to the wolves. <laughs> yeah, like don't let them fall in holes. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So the people who are good evaluators are actually not more skillful than the rest of us, I have noticed. It's that they're better able to describe what's bothering them, convey their conclusions, and give recommendations. It's the people that don't say, I love that, I like it, um, I hate it, who can actually say, you know what? It's that shade of red that's just a little bit too bright in this aspect. Or it's, it's, you know what, that font, 
is that the right size? Is is the font consistent size? Because it doesn't look like it to me. You know, it's the people that can see the detail and describe it that, that can do it. And they may have natural talent. Some people are good at that and some people aren't. But that doesn't mean you can't learn it, you know? Understanding what's going on, understanding the process, understanding um, how best to give feedback, um, and then practicing it is what makes you a better evaluator. Absolutely. We all, when we see something, we have a feeling about it. It's about not sharing that feeling. Mm-hmm. We've all got one, obviously. It's about putting that feeling into an actual descriptor. And it does. I agree. It takes practice. It's, okay, I feel like I love it. Why do I feel like I love it though? What is it, right? Or why do I feel like I hate it? What is it? So it absolutely takes practice. And if you want to practice in the meantime, when you have feelings about people's behavior or presentation, and just in your mind, think to yourself, okay, why though? Why did I love that presentation? Just in your mind as a couple practices um, before you actually start sharing them, do that too. Mm, Yeah, we set homework last week of, uh, practicing looking at behavior and not drawing conclusions. And you can absolutely, I mean, the best thing about some of these things is they happen to us in the world all the time. If I look up, I have a calendar on my wall. I have um, a picture. Um, I have, you know, my screen. Like, What is it that I like about that thing? Right. What is it that I don't like about that thing? What is it that disturbs me? And so you can literally sit at your desk or wherever you are right now. Even if you're running right now, you can practice this. What is it that you like about the pavement or the route that you're running or whatever? So, yeah, you got plenty of opportunities to practice, which is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. So now you know how to give feedback to your peers. We will be back next week with a new topic.